For me, it's really fun to get to pray for and kind of commission people like Cammy and Dave into the work they do, because I've been on the receiving end of that kind of thing a lot. Now, for almost 20 years, my wife Liz and I have worked in campus ministry with InterVarsity, and part of that has meant partnering with churches and people in churches who support our work through prayer and financial giving, and along with that, a lot of times we've had the chance to speak in front of churches, share about what we do, have our work highlighted, we get to talk about it. Uh, we highlight both the opportunities and the needs that we see on college campuses, how God is at work, and along with that, churches and the people in them have often extended their hands to us to pray for, commission, and bless us, kind of send us into the work that we do, which is a wonderful experience, and it's really great to be blessed and sent by the church into our work. But well, what about everybody else? Now, that sort of dynamic of a church hearing from Spotlight on, on certain work and, and blessing them tends to be reserved for kind of missionaries or people set aside for full-time vocational religious work. But I wonder if it needs to be that way. I was thinking this week about Mr. Rogers of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood fame. And, you know, before he was Mr. Rogers like this, he, he was Fred Rogers, and he went to seminary, actually, to pursue a sense of calling on his life to serve God in ministry. And while he was in seminary, he also had a burden and a passion for early childhood development, and he had a, a vision for television, this kind of emerging medium at the time. He saw great potential in it, but also how it was largely being used to, to feed kids a bunch of junk. And so all of these passions started to come together for him while he was in seminary. And he had a vision that once he graduated and it was time for him to be ordained into ministry, he shared this vision uh, of what would kind of become Mr. Rogers' neighborhood with the local Presbyterian ruling body. And they essentially said to him, what are you, nuts? We don't ordain people into television. We ordain people to preach the word of God in the pulpit of a church, and so that's what you need to do, Fred. But gentle, mild-mannered Mr. Rogers did not back down and was determined on this, and thankfully he had one advocate, one advocate out of that whole body who stood before everyone else and said, look, this guy is every bit as much called to the work uh, he's doing by God as, as you and I are. And eventually the church got behind him and blessed him and commissioned him to do the work that God had put on his heart to do. And I think that's more the biblical model, actually. A community of people who all have a work given to them by God to do that the church can get behind and come behind and bless and surround and commission one another into it. Last week our testimony was from Jessica Mangimelli who described her, her upbringing with a, with a strong divide between the sacred world of the church and the secular rest of the world out there and how God's been breaking that down in her life. And I love what she said. She said, um, once the sacred grabs hold of you, you take the sacred with you everywhere you go. Amen. You take the love of Jesus with you everywhere you go. And that's what we're talking about today. We're all people who take the sacred take the love of Jesus with us everywhere we go. Last week, Liz talked about community. We're centering this series around our three priorities as a church, worship, community, and generosity. She talked about how the fall affects the way that we, we value and see work, how we tend to, to over or undervalue different types of work. And a community that really loves one another ought to see all of our work as gifts from God and, and value and esteem it that way, in a redeemed way. Well, we're going to go beyond that today. Not only does a, a community that loves one another appreciate and value the different types of work we do and the different types of gifts we have, but we get behind each other and we see everyone in the church as God's ambassador, 
and as someone who takes the sacred and the love of Jesus with us to the places where we go, where we find ourselves. That's an exciting vision to me, and I think it's a biblical one. I want to touch down real quick in Ephesians chapter 4. That is, I believe, on page 828 in most of the Pew Bibles. It's actually a very similar passage to the one we looked at last week from Romans 12, where we, we saw how we're at one body in Christ with many different members, made up of many members who each have a different function, all working together. And each of the, the functions we have are a gift of God's grace. And so we're going to pick up on that again here in Ephesians 4. I'll skip the first few verses. It really is about the oneness of the body of Christ. If you come to faith in Jesus, you become part of his body, one member of a larger thing. And Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, talks about the oneness of the body of Christ. And then picking up in verse 7, says this, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And that's what we talked about last week, that anything we can do, any gifts we have, the talents, abilities, and the, the things God gives us to do are ultimately gifts of his grace. Anything we can do does not originate ultimately with ourselves, but, but with God and from God. Christ is a giver of gifts, different gifts to the different people in his body. Then there's kind of a, a little aside here that Paul has about Christ descending and ascending again, and then it would pick up in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers these kind of special roles within the church, not just to be highlighted up in front of the church and blessed and commissioned by the church, but actually to equip his people, all his people, for works of service. The Greek word here, works of service, is diakonos. It could mean works of ministry. Actually, each person who is a follower of Jesus has a ministry that God has It's given them to do a way to take the sacred, the way to take the love and the presence of God into the places where we all go. Again, I'm I'm grateful that I've been sent and commissioned into the work that I do, but as I look at this passage, I think in my position it ought to really work the other way around. It's my role to bless, send, equip, and empower for the works of ministry that every person who calls Jesus Savior and Lord has. And it's not one size fits all. We have different works of service, different works of ministry, but every one of us is imparted with something, some way in which we take the gospel where we go. So we're going to look at six different ways today that I think God equips, sends, and empowers us to be his ambassadors in the world. If you're here just exploring faith, wondering what you believe about Jesus, this could be you know, a bit of a preview of what it could look like, that actually if you do come to believe in him, you, you have a part to play in what he's doing in the world. And for those of you who, who call Jesus Lord, um, these are some ways that it, that it can look like. I'm going to draw on a book called Workship by Kara Martin, a combination of work and worship, bringing those two worlds together. And she highlights six different gospel expressions at work, six different ways that we can express the gospel in the, in the things that we do in the places we go. And 
the definition here is uh, the proclamation and promotion of the gospel message of reconciliation and transformation. I'll say that again. Both the proclamation and the promotion of the gospel message of reconciliation and transformation. Now, we all have different gifts, different things that we do in places we find ourselves, and it is not one size fits all, but all of us have some way that God wants to use us to both proclaim and promote the gospel message of transformation and reconciliation. There's something for each of us. So here's six different ways that that can look like in our work. And now, none of these are mutually exclusive. They overlap a lot, and we don't need to pick just one. But as we go through, listen for perhaps an invitation from God, something that maybe stirs your heart as an opportunity in, in the current places you're working or doing life or something that you want to grow in. The first one I'll share is what Martin calls holy working. Holy working, working in such a way that really demonstrates the fruit of a redeemed life and demonstrates and exudes Christian character and values in the work that we do, kind of in a way that stands out. In Galatians chapter 5, it says this, that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy working is working in a way that, that exudes these characters, that puts them on display for people to see, and where we live out God's redeeming work in our lives in the workplace, exhibiting these things. There's a lot in us, and there's a lot in our various work environments that counteract each of these things, that are perhaps the opposite of joy or kindness or self-control. But holy work uh, puts the character of God on display in the places that we work. And it's something we're called to. I, I learned this real early on. I came to faith in Jesus when I was 19, and I was real excited about that. I felt like I had a whole new identity as a, as a Christian, a whole new uh, way of being. And the real first place where the rubber met the road for me was in the job that I had. I was working in a men's clothing store at the time in what I would describe as a pretty toxic work environment. The owner of the company was sort of like Ebenezer Scrooge, of a miserly, miserable man who, who liked to belittle employees and had a pretty miserable working environment. People's shoulders were just slouched. And the old guys would always pull me aside and say, like, oh, you stay in school, kid. You don't want to end up here. <laughs> like, real promising. And uh, the hourly guys like me really bore the brunt of it, and it didn't make us want to work very hard. In fact, we had a little practice of fudging each other's timesheets to make it look like we worked more than we did. And we justified it, saying, well, you know, this guy's sticking it to us all day long, so, you know, this is what's coming. Well, as a new believer, I realized, oh, this was no longer the way to be. And the outworking of the fruit of the Spirit in my life meant, for one, faithfulness. Actually working the hours that I say that I work, honestly reporting, and for those hours, actually working hard giving it my best effort, doing the things that were, that were in front of me. And it meant working joyfully. And that was kind of a weird thing in that place. And so I, try, I, I could feel the joy just dissipate off me when I would go into work. And I thought, this, this can't be so. And would pray for joy in the workplace. And over time, it started to come. It started to come, and I worked in a joyful manner, a little more upbeat, a little more willing to help and go the extra mile and, and smile. And 
slowly the people around me started to have a little bit more joy in that place as well. And it does stand out. In fact, over time, eventually the, the owner of the store started to notice, and, and he would take me aside and in the break room, we had conversations about his life and, and some things he'd been through in his earlier years that nobody knew about. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's a real human being. And we were having conversations about, about faith and life. Uh, as, you know, the fruit of the Spirit was being demonstrated by a new believer in that workplace. That's what holy working can look like. Kind of leads into the second thing, the second type of gospel expression at work that Martin mentions is, is called gospel working. Now, I would say anything we're talking about today could be considered gospel working, but what she means by this is to intentionally aim to share our faith in Christ with others in the workplace. Intentionally looking for ways to, to put it out there, what we believe. Uh, make it known. Be intentional about sharing who we are, what we did this weekend, perhaps, if we're here, when someone asks. Um, looking to maybe start a workplace prayer group or Bible study before it starts or during, during lunchtime. Um, and just intentionally looking to, to get into deeper level conversations with people in the workplace. Now, um, in some Christian circles, this is really all it boils down to. Being a Christian in the workplace, you've got to find ways to witness and to evangelize your, your clients or your coworkers or things like that. And I hope we're seeing in this series that that is not all of what it means to be a Christian in the workplace. We don't do work for many, many hours just to have a platform to maybe share about Jesus in the midst of it. We do work because the work itself really counts and really matters. But we do have opportunities and openings in various times in our work to share about Jesus with people. And we live in a place and time where there's increasing numbers of people who are quite distant from church and who don't really ever give it a first or second thought to, to come to a place like this. And so the place they might encounter anything about God could be in conversation with you. We do have opportunities, and you never know what might happen when you just put it out there, what you believe. I know that's taboo in some workplaces, and sometimes that's real. Sometimes I think we build that up in our heads a little bit more than we need to. But uh, it's worth praying about and intentionally seeking where we can be open about our faith in the workplace. You don't know what will happen. A couple weeks ago at our Quinsig Village campus, I had the privilege of baptizing Luann Pavo, who some of you may know. She's part of our, our launch team over there. And uh, As she was sharing her story in front of the church, she kept pointing to her friend Christine in the, in the front row. And Christine is someone who came to work in Luann's office a few years ago, needed to be trained by, by Luann. And it, Christine was a believer and, and was pretty open about that. And it just so happened Luann had just come through a pretty significant health scare and was asking some really big questions about life. And Christine was more than happy to talk about them. So was Luann. And the way Luann puts it is, oh, it worked out so great because I would teach Christine about accounts payable and she would teach me about God and the Bible. It was so cool. And it is cool. And now Luann's got this newfound, vibrant, joyful faith in Jesus in the second half of her life because Christine was just out there about what she believed and willing to engage in spiritual conversation at work. So that's what we mean by gospel working. You never know how God might be at work in the people you come across, who you see, sit by day by day, or who we maybe see for a really short while in a transaction. You just never know. Third thing, third gospel expression I'll talk about is called prayerful working. Prayerful working, just kind of working with a awareness of God 
throughout the day, cultivating an awareness of God's presence and love and grace throughout the day. And if you find yourself getting to the end of a day or the end of a week and suddenly realizing, oh man, I haven't thought about God at all, what happens? You know, maybe prayerful, inv- prayerful working could be something to lean into in the next season ahead. Just cultivating an awareness that God is here, turning to him throughout the day, not just at special points, but knowing that actually he's, he's present all the time. You can talk to him, perhaps carry a, a worship song in your heart or in your device where you go, or pray over the particular work that you're doing. There's a lot of different ways that can happen. There's a Christian classical text called The Practice of the Presence of God by a guy named Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was someone who worked in a monastery centuries ago. He he worked in the kitchen uh, doing the dishes and preparing meals. And as he did, he tried to cultivate a, a practice of being in continual conversation with God throughout the day. And the fruit of it is this beautiful devotional book called The Practice of the Presence of God to try to encourage others to have that similar thing of knowing you can, you can talk and listen to God all throughout the day. It's a beautiful thing. I was thinking of another example this week, uh, a sad and beautiful thing. Uh, years ago, I had a friend who unfortunately needed to enter into hospice care in his home at a way too young an age. And he had a particular nurse on the, on the team who would come and care for him. And, and this woman was a, was a believer. It just kind of seemed like she was a Christian. I don't know, something about her. And, and so my friend's wife just asked her, do you happen to be a, a follower of Jesus? She said, oh, yeah. And it turns out that this woman prays over every patient that she comes in contact with, usually quietly, secretly, kind of undercover. But just as she's going about the work of adjusting position or changing linens or administering IVs, just praying for God's blessing and grace and power in the situation, in the person. And so my friend's wife said, well, you can feel free to pray in our house. Pray for my husband. And she said, really? And it turns out this woman could pray. And so she just let it rip. I'm in the name of Jesus. And she was singing worship songs and praise songs all throughout the house. And I think that was actually just an outward expression of what was happening in her heart all the time. Always just adoring Jesus mindful that he's there, mindful that he's present, that he's got power to, to save and to deliver and to heal. Always, that's kind of always in her heart, a constant prayerful working. Fourth type of gospel expression at work, it's called incarnational working. Martin defines this as acting as the hands and feet of God, sustaining and filling the creation. Working with God to sustain and fill the creation. The theological term for this is common grace. That God just pours out common grace to all people just by giving us life and continuing to sustain a planet for us to live on despite our best efforts to screw it up. Common grace. After the story of Noah and the, and the flood, God made a really profound and open-ended promise to humankind that he would continue to allow us to live and continue to allow us a planet to inhabit, no matter how wickedly we might act. And man, have we put that promise to the test as a human race. But God has stayed true to his word, and he continues to provide life and sustain life, sustain this world, and give us a place to inhabit and to live. And so much of our work participates with God in doing that, in sustaining life and sustaining the world, in creating spaces for us to inhabit, in allowing us to live, providing food, clean water, 
electricity, technology that we need, spaces to gather, to form family, and to do work. Common grace is everywhere in the work that we do, and so we can really encounter God and celebrate God in the work that we do because we are participating with him in his common grace towards the creation, sustaining life. I think everybody knows that in hospitals, surgeons do real life-saving work. It's kind of a miracle, an expression of God's common grace, giving the ability to do that. Um, Did you also know that about 100,000 people every year die from hospital-borne infections? And so think about the work of just keeping the place clean, cleaning the bedpans, changing the linens, sanitizing the instruments, cleansing the facilities, the spaces. That is life-saving work, every bit as much as that of the surgeons. And it's a part of God's common grace to allow life to happen and to go on and to flourish. Common grace. Another aspect of this is found uh, when Jesus talks in the Sermon on the Mount about the character of, of God, our Father in heaven, who sends the Son on the righteous and the unrighteous and, and gives rain to the, to the good and the wicked. There's a way that just by doing our work uh, and indiscriminately blessing people with it exudes the character of God, the common grace of God, who, who gives his blessing freely to all people, good, bad, righteous, unrighteous. He gives common grace to all, and a lot of our work does that. And so to just give it our best effort, to do our best work for someone, whether they're a believer or not a believer, to offer opportunity and, and teach a really high-quality lesson to a, a student who cares about it or a student who doesn't, to provide good quality medical care or electrician service or some, to a person who has done a lot of good things or a lot of bad things, but just to kind of give our best effort and our best work to all people, regardless of who they are, what they've done, what they believe, is an expression of the common grace, the character of God who blesses all in a really generous way. We can do that in our work, our incarnational work. Moving on, a fifth gospel expression at work is called spirit-empowered working. Spirit-empowered working, where we bring our spiritual gifts to bear in the workplace and perhaps see God work in supernatural ways in the places where we work. There's a lot of examples of that in the Old Testament, such as Joseph and Daniel, who had supernatural wisdom and insight from God and the interpretation of dreams that allowed them to to administer incredible life-saving programs across huge kingdoms. There's Queen Esther, who God elevated to a position of prominence and leadership for a critical time in history. And then there's Bezalel in the book of Exodus. We looked at him last year in our Old Testament character study. Bezalel was a craftsman, a tradesman, and an artist that says this about him. In, in the book of Exodus, God says, See, I have chosen Bezalel, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts, to make artistic designs, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of craftsmanship. Craftsmanship and artistry. Here, God says he pours out his Spirit on these efforts to make them really, really good. And God's Spirit can empower all kinds of work that we do. We can see him at work. I think um, the Gilchrist, the positions that, that they're in now to be able to influence and shape a lot of people, I think the Lord has empowered their spiritual gifts of leadership and placed them in those positions to be able to, to do a lot of good work. I think 
of an artist, perhaps, whose work can be supernaturally, spiritually empowered to transform the atmosphere of a space that previously had no beauty in it, but now does in a way that calls forth transcendence and an awareness of God. Perhaps in a place where you work, you run across intractable problems that nobody can seem to solve. Maybe you can't figure out a diagnosis or you can't figure out a way to to be financially responsible but not get rid of some really life-saving programs. And perhaps the Lord might give you insight as a person who who prays and who knows him, uh, a fresh creative solution. Maybe you can give him credit for it when you share it. There's all kinds of ways, though, that the Spirit can inhabit and empower the work that we do. We're open to that and, and looking for him to work. Spirit-empowered working. And finally, a, fifth, a sixth gospel expression at work is social justice working. Working to bring God's shalom, his, his justice, his righteousness, and kingdom character and rule into the places where we live and work. It's a way of kind of declaring what ought to be as God created it and intended it, declaring what will be when God comes to renew all things in the new creation. In Isaiah chapter 61, God says this about himself. He says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. You see the passion here, just the passion in the heart of God, love and hate And I think God has imparted a taste of his passion into many of us to love the things that he loves. Justice, rightness, equality, rectifying wrongs, bringing about fairness and goodness, and hating the things that he hates, exploitation and oppression, violence, death. We have a passion from God that actually reflects his heart in the world and social justice work where we bring fairness where we refuse to allow people to be limited by by artificial uh, oppressive limitations that are not their fault at all where we give a fair shot to people regardless of who they are where we right wrongs bring people to justice and and come come alongside those who have been wronged where we provide stable loving home and family environments for the children who lack it where we teach and promote opportunity to people regardless of the situation that they're born into. This, all this kind of stuff reflects the character, the heartbeat of God who loves what's right and loves what's just and hates when life is robbed and exploited from people. This declares God's character and what he's like and what he intends to a watching world. So these are six different gospel expressions, ways that we can bring the sacred and demonstrate the gospel of reconciliation and transformation in the places we go. And every one of us has a part in this. Every one of us. It's very exciting for me to think about a church like The Journey, and I look around and I see so many people doing so many different things in our city and in the surrounding area, so many parts of the fabric of our community that our lives touch and come in contact with, so many places that we work and inhabit and homes that we get to be into and people we get to interact with because of all the different places that God has given us to live and work. And oh man, what if we had a vision of a, being a sent community, that we aren't just anywhere where we are randomly or by chance or because we're good at something or because that's what we wanted, but actually it was God is sending us there to be his ambassadors and to bring the sacred, to bring the love of Jesus, to be prayerful people who talk about him, who demonstrate his heart and who 
exhibit lives that reflect his character. I think we are. I think we need to treat each other that way. Send each other that way. Anyone you're in a life group with or in community with or you talk to about your work, you can, you can bless and send them into their work. You can talk to people about the areas you, you want to grow or where you see an opportunity to be prayerful or of Christian character or of a witness in your workplace. You can do that. Send one another. It's not just, don't just send me to go work on campus. Let's send all of us to all the places that God has called us and equipped us to go. We can do this for any profession and anything that we're doing. I want to just close, though, with a little demonstration, I guess, and, and pray, since we, our theme today was sort of healthcare. I want to pray for anyone who's in healthcare of any kind. Uh, it's the biggest industry, really, in Worcester. There's a number of us who are involved in it in a lot of levels. And so, you know, as I've been blessed and commissioned to go and do work that's largely about the care of souls, I want to bless and commission any of you who are involved in the care of bodies that matter so much to God who created them. So if you are in the medical field in any way, a physician, a custodial staff, in billing, a reception, a nurse, a medical student, teacher, instructor, a counselor, therapist, nutritionist, coach, Whatever the case may be, if you, if you work for the, the care of people's health uh, mentally and physically, I'd love for you to just stand up, and I want to kind of bless and commission you for the work that you do. Don't be shy. And if there's people around you, you see, if you want to extend a, a hand, just a, a blessing to them, we want to send you. Father, thank you for each of these here who get to partake in the miraculous work you do of saving life and sustaining life. Lord, life is a gift from you. Thank you that the work of each of these brothers and sisters' hand is a part of that. I pray that you would strengthen their hands for those who have really long days at it. I pray that you would strengthen their hearts to love the people they come in contact with and pray that you would use them for redemptive work of restoring people to the life you want for them and allowing them to live in a way that they could come to know you. Pray for, for you to empower their witness in their various places of work, verbally and in action, to demonstrate the reality that there is God who, who loves us and desires life and life to the full for each person that we would come in contact with. So we bless you, we commission and send you to the work that God has equipped and called you to do in every place where you do it. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.